there ain't no love in this game amongst men, especially in places of competition, like in the workforce and stuff like that. Uh, everybody's trying to get theirs and everybody's trying to outcompete the other person. And sometimes things get dirty. Great to have you back on the program. Well, thanks, Pierce. It's good to see you again. I was absolutely astonished, really. Maybe I shouldn't have been, but by the reaction to our last interview worldwide, the sheer volume of people that watched the whole interview, the way the clips were disseminated on TikTok, on Facebook, on Twitter. It was a really interesting insight, actually. Yeah, what Pierce Morgan is really saying, like, yo, bro, you really gave me a boost, so let me get you back on so we can get them numbers up. <laughs> into a whole world that doesn't even involve, actually, conventional television anymore. I guess you wouldn't be surprised because this happens to you a lot, but I was. What does it say about <laughs> society that that number of people well, I'm, I'm watch an interview continually... on a computer or phone? Well, I'm still continually surprised about it, but, well, I think what it shows is that there's really no way that legacy TV, in some real sense, can compete with the absolutely wide-open frontier of online video distribution, where the cost is low and people can access it everywhere. It's fundamentally the consequence of a technological revolution, and there's all sorts of good things about that, and one of those would be the ability to widely disperse complex and sophisticated information, which YouTube has been particularly good at in the long form, but it's also problematic <laughs> in that it produces all sorts of alterations in social <laughs> behavior that were only, and some of them very dangerous, Some, many of which we're only just beginning to understand. Right. Elon Musk has just bought Twitter and it's creating a huge yeah. Ferrari, obviously, in many different ways. And he's admitted, I'm going to do lots of things in the next few months and we're going to get some wrong and we're going to pull them and try something else. He's going to try and work out a way of making it a sustainable business model. But also he wants to bring back what he perceives to be genuine free speech on the platform. Um, is it yeah. possible, Jordan, do you think, that he can do that? Or are we now so entrenched in tribalism, particularly on social media, that it's almost impossible to do what he wants to do. I really, I, I'm really, I really have this complaint, yo. Why do we care so much about social media? I really don't understand this phenomenon that's going on in our country. Wow. Like, I get why people use social media. I get the advantages and disadvantages of social media. But, like, if you're not a big-time content creator, if you're not somebody trying to get paid by using social media, it really shouldn't matter. Because more times than not, if you don't like something, you just go and do something else. Like, if Facebook is not, is not allowing you to be who you want to be, you probably just go to Twitter or go to Instagram or wherever the case may be. And if not, you got your friends, you got your family, engage with people in the real world. But at the end of the day, I mean, I really just don't care enough about this social media nonsense to like to put so much stock in it. And I don't understand why so many of these people put stock in it. Like these people have millions and millions of followers. Like you can literally just create a website and these people will go to your website and they will support you there. There are content creators who are doing it. I know it's not as good as social media, but if people mess with your content enough, they'll go follow you and they'll support you wherever you go. Well, you couldn't have picked a better day to talk about this with me because I just got a paper sent to me today by Jonathan Haidt. He didn't write the paper. It, it's it will be published. It's published in a journal called Personality and Individual Differences, and it's an examination of the personality traits associated with 
uh, let's say, excessive and self-promoting internet usage. Mm -hmm. And I, if you don't mind, I'd like to read you a couple of the descriptions yeah. of what the people found, because it's so absolutely spot on and relevant. Mm -hmm. I don't think we are descending into tribalism. I think what's happening is that the virtualization of the world is enabling um, people who behave in a particular antisocial way, in a self-grandizing and self-promoting antisocial way. And I'll just read you the descriptions that are taken directly from this paper. Most people don't care about what's going on social media. Most people just probably use social media to look at videos, to engage with friends and family. That's most people who use social media. Then you have the, the 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 small different sects of people who are like actively engaged in social media on a level where it it affects their day to day lives and they argue they debate um, they they look forward to seeing what's coming out and about this person and that person but most people are indifferent to like most of what's going on on social media. So it was an actual study of online behavior. Women characterized by high self-centered antagonism, neurotic narcissism, Machiavellian views, Machiavellian tactics, so that's manipulative, manipulativeness, meanness, disinhibition. Yeah, I know that you say social media is the new town square, but like it doesn't have to be. We still have the old town square. It's only the new town square because we make it the new town square. Like we were doing something before social media came along. It's just, it's not, it's just everybody got hooked to social media. Unhook yourself from social media. But nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to do that. Not at all. It's like, we, we only made it to town square. Well, let's just go back to doing what we were doing before social media when it came to actual politics and stuff like that. You know? You know? Or well, we can walk out the house and we can meet people. We can go to the local bar. Or we can go to, to the local university and meet people engage with you know friends and have bonds and you know do that physical sadism and indirect sadism used instagram for a longer time and more frequently than did men in women verbal sadism and emotionality was associated with longer while honesty humility and conscientiousness was with a shorter facebook usage time Furthermore, women high in agentic extroversion, so that's manipulative self-promotion, and indirect sadism used Facebook for a longer time and more frequently than men. And so I've thought for a while that one of the things that's happening to us as we virtualize the world is that we're enabling a, the small percentage of people, it's usually about 3% in general populations, who use manipulation and reputation savaging and denigration and self-promotion. So the genuinely psychopathic types to dominate the social conversation and to spew their poisonous and manipulative venom into the public domain, not only with no fear of being stopped and no, uh, and no inhibition, which is almost all applied socially, but also while being monetized and promoted by the people who run the social media channels. All right, so it's not that easy to say that, right? I think Jordan Peterson is... And look, he's probably got more to say. But if you're just looking at what he just said there, bro, I'm going to be honest with you. That's what people want. It ain't just a social platform that's promoting that trying to get paid. That's what people want. 
people are more likely to share negative content. People are more likely to engage with content if people are arguing, debating, or owning somebody or destroying somebody. That's what people want. That's what people engage with. It's, if social media is the problem, so are we. We're just as much as a problem as social media because they built their algorithms and they learn their algorithms learn from our wants and needs and what we want to see. You got to remember that. And every society forever has had to contend with a small percentage of people who will utilize all the benefits of society only for them. All right. To be fair, like I know I'm a YouTuber, right? Uh, and I'm on Twitch and a podcast and stuff like that, right? When I'm talking about social media, I'm not talking about like video platform as far as like YouTube and podcasts. And I, when I say social media, I still think in terms of like Facebook, where people go to like post like comments and like to engage with like, you know, posts and stuff like that, tweets and stuff. That's what I mean when I say social media. I don't mean like if you have a, a Twitter, a YouTube account, or if you have a Rumble account or a podcast. But I do need to remember that that is also considered social media. So I, I, maybe I need to retract that as well. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I deleted Facebook a long time ago, Kermit. I get what you mean. Social media should be an outlet to use as a pastime. The real world should be your life, not the other way around. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll be straight up. You'll love Lecrae's new album, Church Clothes, for a long anticipated album finally dropped. And if he dives into current politics and all of it, Kobe. <laughs> uh, Yeah, uh, I need to use Discord more. I don't really be on social media as much as I used to be. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't ever really consider YouTube to be like uh, social media. I consider it to be like a a platform for content themselves. But I, I can see why people those people, if not you know, brought under control, can demolish the structure of the entire society. And I think the polarization that we're feeling is a consequence of their untrammeled expression online, Instagram, Facebook, and in and in online comment um, uh, forums like Twitter. But, but that, and, that, and so, that, that, that stuff you read out just said seemed to be gender-specific to women. Presumably it also applies in other ways to men as well on social media. Oh, yeah. Well, I... I think the reason that it applied in this study in women is because Instagram is very heavy, heavy image use image. It, it, it involves heavy use of images. Instagram is ran by women, bro. Instagram is dominated by women. And there are reasons to assume that because of that, it attracts women who are directed towards short term impulsive mating strategies. And that's another sign <laughs> of impulsive antisocial and psychopathic behavior. I think you'd see the same. I'm listening to this, bro. <laughs> Jordan Peterson coming off like, like he's destroying women. <laughs> and I know that's not what he's doing, bro. But like if you if you didn't understand what he was saying, if if you were a woman watching this, you'd be like, what did he just say about us? <laughs> that's another sign of impulsive antisocial and psychopathic behavior. I think you'd see the same thing in men. In fact, I've been talking to psychologists, great psychologists, to make sure that I'm on the right track here about uh, those who post uh, repeatedly, say, in online forums, especially in relationship to comments. And you certainly see that same pattern of sadism, Machiavellianism, psychopathy, and narcissism mm -hmm. characterizing the men who, who are also uh, incentivized to use what used to be classic female antisocial strategies to advance themselves in the reputational hierarchy. But the bottom line Exploiters is... Exploiters, fundamentally. Right, but the bottom line is that there is a, a small...
percentage of people generating a vast amount of noise. What impact is that happening on society, do you think? Well, I think it it's always been that way, though. It's always been that way. They might be doing it on social media, but before, I mean, it was the president. It's the, the people who has the media, the news anchors. Like, it's always been the minority group of people who get the biggest microphones. It's always been that way. It's just now more people are included in that number, but it's still a minority. Most YouTube channels don't have 10,000 subscribers. A lot, most YouTube channels probably don't even get to 1,000 subscribers. It's always been that way. I mean, it's just now it's like, oh, now we want to highlight that. But in a way, I'd rather have it to where more people who wasn't put in a place of privilege to go to Yale or Harvard to get these big platforms. I'd rather much have an opportunity for those people to rise up and be able to get their voice heard. And if it comes at the cost that there are going to be some radicals out there who push the envelope to the wrong direction. Pat, is that happening on society, do you think? Well, I think it, it skews our perceptions of what normal people are like. We assume that what we're getting, you know, when you sample the world when you're walking through it, you, you make the assumption that you're getting unbiased, an unbiased representation of the things going on around you. And when you're on a plat, an online platform and say reading comments, you also have the assumption that what you're seeing is something like a sample of public opinion, <laughs> but it's not, you know, because if, if 10 strangers came up to you randomly in the street, then you'd have a bit of a sample of what people randomly think. But behavior online isn't random and the people who post aren't, aren't precisely normal. And I have been talking with Jonathan Haidt and Jean Twenge about this, and I think they might know more about it than anybody else in the world. And it's pretty clear that the people who are dominating, say, online comment sections, and I would especially say this is true of the people who post anonymously, and there's other markers for, for this sort of behavior as well. You see how they got at the bottom of the screen, Peterson blocked, Peterson blocked from Twitter. Psychologist suspended for transphobic tweet. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure he has no idea that they put that down below him right now. They dominate the po political discourse. And what's happening in some sense is that we have a new form of pollution that's also corporate sponsored. And it's pollution of the domain of public discourse. And the pollution occurs because the social media companies are either enabling or failing to control, you know, those known in the popular parlance as trolls. But they're not just comical trolls, you know, using derision mm. in some cute way and, and having their say in the free speech domain. They're really poisonous individuals. And they're poisoning the entire domain of so discourse. So what can Elon Musk do? Starting... What can Elon Musk do about it? Yep. Do you think? If you were advising him on this i mean ironically at the moment you're not i got a solution limit the amount of subscribers or the amount of followers people can have just saying if the problem is that there are some people who are too radical and they're building this large microphone for themselves how about limit the amount of people that can follow you on facebook i think you only have like uh what five thousand friends so how about we limit the amount of people who can see your content you can only have like five thousand people who actually can follow you and engage in your content and see your content Maybe. Just saying. Elon Musk do about it, yep. you think? If you were advising him on this, I mean, ironically, at the moment, you're not on Twitter. A, would you, do you want to come yeah, back yeah, yeah. now that Musk is in charge? Do you think you should be restored? Um, do you want to be back on Twitter? And secondly, what would you advise him to do about this issue of the trolls and so on? Well, the first thing I would 
advise, and I'm going to be advising the political people I'll be talking to over the next few weeks of precisely this, and I have talked it over with Twenge and Haidt to make sure that I'm not, like I said, off on a personal tangent. I would say there's no excuse for including the anonymous posters with the real human beings. And I think that social media platforms who have a certain reach, maybe it's a million subscribers, and, and I don't really know what figure is appropriate, should be required to implement know your customer laws and then that the people who are posting who are genuine, verified human beings willing to abide by their words with their personal reputation should be put in one comment section and then the online anonymous, cowardly, narcissistic, pathological <laughs> troll demons who are polluting the public. Yo, I didn't got to the point where I don't even, like if I'm on Twitter or something and somebody like will um, send me a message or something or they will tweet back at me about something. I don't even engage with people if they don't have like a picture of themselves. If you're anonymous, if you got like some cartoon or something like that. And look, some people, they like the cartoon. They put it up there. It's not that they're trying to hide their identity or whatever the case may be. But as a as somebody, especially if I'm putting my face out there and I'm putting my thoughts out there and I stand next to it, I want to be able to engage with somebody who has that same level of risk that I do. And sometimes I don't want to engage with people who I can't even verify this is a real person or they actually stand by what they're saying because they don't face any consequences for doing so. It's just a personal choice. You have to stop engaging with people who have don't have the same stakes as you do. Most cowardly, narcissistic, pathological troll demons who are polluting the public discourse should be put in a different comment section. And if you want to go to hell and visit the troll demons <laughs> and see what they have to spew, you can. But otherwise, you can be among the normal human beings engaged in normal yeah, I'm down, Kobe. human discourse. Right. And that would separate the bloody psychopaths from the from the bulk of decent, normal people. And, you know, 97% of people aren't psychopathic. Yeah. And so we are talking about a small minority here, but they have the upper hand. See, there's, actually, a, there's a percentage of people who... I actually, I, sorry, I, had a, psych, I had a psychopath test done on me, actually, a, a lengthy questionnaire, and they concluded I was a good psychopath. <laughs> and what do they mean by that exactly? <laughs> do I like... <laughs> You know, I, apparently I wasn't like the malevolent version. It was slightly lost on me than you. OK, ones, but... well, <laughs> OK, look, look, it's often the case that people in the industry that you're in, and this would be true for politics and journalism as well. Anything with a public face are more likely to be extroverted and also more likely to be somewhat disagreeable. And those those personality traits can tilt you towards uh, what would you say, a style of callous exploitation. But there are other personality factors that mediate against that, like conscientiousness. And so people who are hardworking and reliable, for example, aren't parasitic in the same way that a classic psychopath would be. And so it's complicated. And it isn't the case that extroversion and even a certain degree of disagreeableness in and, in and of themselves are dangerous, but they lead, like everybody's led to temptation in the direction that's in accordance with their temperament and the fact that you are a public facing person and that you like that would tilt you in one direction of mm -hmm. potential temptation but this man Pierce Morgan look like he getting off of this like he feel like he getting I feel like Pierce Morgan getting off from this like he like mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know man person, and that you like that would tilt mm -hmm. you in one direction of mm -hmm. potential temptation but mm -hmm. that's not necessarily diagnostic now it is a problem because it, pr it probably is the case that politics and journalism and entertainment attack 
attract uh -huh. a disproportionate number of Machiavellians and psychopaths because of the <laughs> of the status that goes along with those enterprises. Yeah. But it's not diagnostic. It doesn't mean that if you're in that industry and you know you've had a long career, and that's also another marker for failure or for lack of psychopathy because in nor in the normal world, psychopaths exploit and they get a reputation for doing so quite quickly and then people avoid them and stop working with them and so it doesn't work over the medium to long run as a, as a general rule yeah i get it last time we spoke uh, at, at length you said afterwards we, we we forgot to get around to donald trump and you were quite keen to talk about donald trump so we're going to take a short break and when we come back i do want to talk about trump because the big question right now in america is is trump done so we'll talk about that after the break Raise your hand if you've ever been called crazy. I don't think that men can control crazy women. <laughs> Dr. Peterson said, I don't think uh, men can control crazy women, huh? Shit. I don't know. I must be crazy then. <laughs> it, may, it might take a crazy man to control a crazy woman. I'm still here with Dr. Jordan Peterson, my special guest tonight. Uh, Jordan, Donald Trump, what is he? Is he a, a narcissist, a sociopath, a psychopath? All of those things, none of them? <laughs> I don't think that he's a psychopath um, because he's been successful in repeated enterprises over long periods of time, and he has a variety of people who are remain intensely loyal to him. Now, he's definitely extroverted in a, a very, to a very great degree, and he's definitely disagreeable. And so that gives him some of the traits that are associated with those personality features. But from what I've been able to understand, he's also very conscientious and hardworking, for example. And so that's a real mitigating factor. And so I think it's, it's very easy to demonize someone that you don't approve of, let's say. And certainly Trump has been subject, I would say, to more demonization than any political leader in the West that I can remember in my entire lifetime, including Richard Nixon. And so that's also set him back on his heels and made him somewhat embattled in defense, <laughs> which I don't think did two, any great things. Two non-Americans talking about Trump. All right. Uh, that's how it go, though, man. Uh, that's how it go, man. I mean, you can't... I mean, America is, like, the leader of the free world. So, I mean, everybody got a stake in America. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean for for his personality in some real sense so i think it's a mistake to assume that that um, trump is a psychopath i think it's a big mistake i think it's a big mistake to assume that putin is a psychopath it's easy to do that but i don't think the evidence suggests that you don't want to throw those labels around casually and you know for if if trump was psychopathic well he did a pretty good job of keeping the united states clear of war for four years that's pretty damn remarkable and he did have a big hand in promoting the Abraham Peace Accords, and that was pretty remarkable. And those aren't the sorts of things that you would expect from a psychopath. He also seems to have a pretty good hand with the working class. So I, I don't think it's those are those are reasonable diagnostic labels to you're sounding to, like to, a you know, I say, place on someone. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh -oh. you sound like you're, you're you're a bit of a fan of Donald Trump. Would you, would you like? <laughs> Bro, this man Pierce Morgan trying to—he trying to bait. He trying to bait. Uh oh, like he trying to get that hook in. Him to run again? Would it be good for America? Do you think? 
No, I, I don't think it would be good for America. Would it be good for him to run? That's a, dif that's a difficult question because it might be that it would be good for America to have whether or not Donald Trump should be president sorted out in the public sphere, yeah. debated intensely and subject to an election. So it might be very interesting to see him put himself forward on the Republican ticket. If I had my druthers, um, and I say this, I hope with due care, I would rather see someone like DeSantis step forward who mm. shares some of that forthright um, um, strength. Bro, this is like becoming the most contentious subject right now on the right, where it's like, is it Trump or DeSantis? Is it DeSantis or Trump, right? Everybody's talking about DeSantis or Trump, right? And I'm, I'm, really, I'm really seeing a lot of people favoring DeSantis over Trump right now. You know, uh, and I'm really curious to see how this goes. There's a lot of people saying they would rather DeSantis over Donald Trump. Now, the question is, what happens if Donald Trump and DeSantis runs head to head against each other? Will the Republican Party survive that? That's something that I don't think a lot of people are really asking themselves. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, they did stop my stream earlier when I was streaming. Um, they said the content creation, uh, it was a, a copyright strike, uh, copyright, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want no smoke. Yeah. Yeah, YouTube won't even give me a merch shelf, bro. You're supposed to have a 1,000 subscribers before you get your merch shelf on YouTube, bro. I'm over 11,000 subscribers right now, and I still ain't got my merch shelf. And I've been, I've been, I didn't, I didn't call, I didn't wrote them people and talked to them about, about that and all. I don't know what you two got going on on this topic. You should listen to the message in Dayton's older record. I won't bow, Kobe man. I'm starting to think they paying you, Kobe. They paying you. Let's say that characterizes Trump at his best, but seems to be a a more uh, cautious administrator and mm -hmm. a less divisive figure. I think that would be better because the Trump for whatever virtues he might have. And I think he has the virtues of a Washington outsider. I think that's quite clear. I think that his... his my, my thoughts, right? And I put this on the record. I think that DeSantis shouldn't run in 2024. I think that DeSantis should let Donald Trump run in 2024 and get that out of the way. I don't think it helps DeSantis to run against Donald Trump in no shape, form, or fashion. I think, I think it causes division amongst the Republicans, but also... I think it will tarnish DeSantis because Donald Trump comes for blood. And I think that the best way for DeSantis to stay clear of all of this is to not run in 2024 and maybe look for a, maybe a 2028 run or something of that sort. I think that would be the smartest move on his part and let Donald Trump have this election win or lose. Um, I know that it may not be what a lot of people think is best for the country or a lot of Republicans want to hear or conservatives want to hear. But I think strategically from uh, DeSantis' point of view, it would be better to let Donald Trump run his race and not to collide with Trump at all. And I, I just think that it would be smarter for him politically. Um, and it also will allow him to keep running Florida as he needs to. And given that time frame, that's more than enough time to really establish himself as a, as a real contender for the 2028 election. But that, that may also mean that there are going to be a lot of people who want DeSantis to run but won't be able to get that chance until Donald Trump has the chance. But I think it's the smartest move. Washington outsider, I think that's quite clear. I think that his, his behavior in the political realm raises the political temperature 
to a dangerous degree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I say that while trying to give the devil. I feel you, bro. Casting careless aspersions on his on his yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, I want to turn to somebody else who, who may well have presidential ambitions. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they, a lot of people think that, uh, you know, why the fire is hot. But you got to realize that uh, if the Santos is all that they say he is, if he's really a good governor, uh, who else does the Republicans have? Right now, everybody's looking at Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. That's all they have. That's not going to change once Donald Trump runs, whether he wins or loses. It's not going to change that Ron DeSantis is a uh, is a powerhouse and he's a star amongst Republicans. And I don't see that changing anytime soon unless some other star rises up in the Republican ranks. Uh, and at the moment, I don't see anybody who can uh, make that claim. Um DeSantis is good for Florida right now. Trump is good for the country. DeSantis should run in 2028 after solidifying Florida deep red. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think Donald Trump needs to be the new Gene Pierre, <laughs> John Pierre. <laughs> and God is just putting different songs on my heart according to what you're watching right now. I feel you, Kobe. I feel you. Can you imagine if Trump was press secretary? <laughs> That'd be crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy. <laughs> uh, uh. It's been the subject of a lot of negativity. Uh, Meghan Markle, Prince Harry's wife, who does this podcast, uh, Archiewell podcast, or archetypes it's called, in which she seems to perennially play the victim, the female victim of all outrages. And your name got dragged into this. Uh, let's take a listen to, to what she said. Raise your hand if you've ever been called crazy or hysterical. <laughs> or what about nuts, insane, out of your mind, completely irrational? I don't think that men can control crazy women. The use of these labels has been drilled into us from movies and TV. Bro, men get called crazy and all of that stuff. Bro, I get so tired of when... Women get treated like men been being treated, but they somehow think it's only exclusive to them. Like, seriously? Meghan Markle? Really? Talk about privilege. Talk about marrying somebody with privilege. I don't even care. Why does anybody care what this girl has to say anyway? Like, right? Why, why does she even matter? Why? I don't know. She's a nobody. The little bit that she has done was really nothing. Nobody really cares for her. But here we are. Full crazy women. The use of these labels has been drilled into us from movies and TV, from friends and family, and even from random strangers. And the fact is, no one wants this label. What did you make of that, Jordan, to be suddenly appearing now on I'm Meghan being crazy? podcast as a well, villain? The first who thing I make calling of women crazy. Is that she Yeah, well, the first thing I make of it is that her voice drips with the same falsehood that the voice of Kamala Harris drips with. It's this <laughs> sanctimonious, um, faux compassionate talking down to her audience and trying to be sure that we're all really on. The Bro, there's so many of these women with these platforms that are claiming that they're so oppressed and that people are going after them and somehow being a woman is so hard. Okay, if men bringing y'all that smoke, Trust me, if really, if men was really bringing women that smoke, it'd be much worse than it actually is. Let's not act like men bringing that smoke to women, because if men was really bringing smoke to women, trust me, 
they wouldn't be doing all of this talking. It's like, especially this be coming from some of the most privileged people in our society. Bro, I know girls from the hood were like, got it 10 times harder than some of these women got and don't ever even be complaining about it. That's crazy, right? Bro, it's men out there who got it harder than these women and don't be complaining about it. I'm the same compassionate page here and we're all being victimized by terrible forces that are arrayed against us. And none of that's really fair. And it's it just grates on me. And I do believe uh, you, you played a bit of a clip from me when I was talking to... Um, um, uh, if DeSantis and Trump run against each other, I'm just saying that because I really got comments. If DeSantis and Trump runs against each other, I think DeSantis is going to win. If they run against each other, I think DeSantis is going to win. Um, I just think that's that's possibly going to be the outcome, um, believe it or not. I think Republicans see DeSantis as somebody that can get a lot of things done that Donald Trump will get done, but also without um, a lot of the, the blowback. Pelia, Cam, 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 uh, uh, Camille Pelia, uh, the literary critic. And I do believe that it is the case that it's very difficult to control female antisocial behavior, often of the type that's been pilloried <laughs> as hysterical and i think that there is no shortage of clinical evidence to support precisely that um claim it's very difficult for women to control female antisocial behavior and females who are antisocial that feminine pattern <laughs> is reputation savaging under the guise of compassionate care mm -hmm. and it's it's extraordinarily destructive and uh so i stand by my words absolutely and i do think it scales online because you can use an anonymous reputation savaging to unbelievably great effect online with absolutely no punishment for your sins, so to speak. And that is certainly one of the things that's contributing to so-called cancel culture. And there's no shortage of that coming from the female side. Now, men can engage in exactly the same strategies and they do so online and that's enabled. But um, it's definitely, see with men, and I've said this before. Bro, it's like, I don't want to hear when women say, treat we want they want to be treated equally but yet bro if men treated women like they treat other men women are going to be unhappy and will be unhappy and we see a lot of this play out like bro there ain't no love in this game amongst men especially in places of competition like in the workforce and stuff like that uh everybody's trying to get theirs and everybody's trying to outcompete the other person and sometimes things get dirty sometimes men can be horrible pieces of crap to other men and to women but if they think they want to be put on equal footing without the same treatment that a man would treat another man, then you're asking for privilege. You don't get both. Either you want to be equal, you get treated equal. And that's what any and every other group, that's just like the LGBTQ community talking about don't make fun of us. But not, not the whole LGBTQ community, but those people who say that comedians can't make jokes about them. It's like, no, you wanted to be in this platform. You wanted to be equal. So we're going to treat you equal. And I do believe this to be the case. The, the ever-present threat of the potential for physical violence keeps so, men Uncle... from doing that to each other most of the time in person. And that all disappears online. And that means that those who are prone to do such things, to use corrosive and denigrating, denigrating derision, for example, and <laughs> reputation savaging can have a free hand at it. And that includes no shortage of women. And women are often, very, very often, the targets of that behavior mm. from their own from their own fellows, so to speak. We've talked about um, 
Trump and Meghan Markle. I, I wanted to just ask you again about Elon Musk, about what you thought of him as a character. He seems to me a fascinating individual. You know, whether he's slightly on the spectrum or, or I'm not sure what his makeup is psychologically, but he's certainly a creative genius, a whirlwind, a, a life force. He's done remarkable things. What do you make of him? Well, I know people who know him very well and have worked with him very closely. And these are very solid people, extremely competent and extremely creative. And they're admirers of Musk. Uh, I talked with my brother-in-law, uh, Jim Keller, who's one of the world's great chip engineers. And he worked very closely with Musk for years. And he believes that in, he's in many ways exactly what you'd think he was. He's a genius, but he's also like a, a visionary genius, but he's also someone who's very, very good at implementing, very good at running companies, as you can tell, because he has a multitude of impossible su successful companies. Yes. Yes. And so he goes into a company <laughs> and he cleans house and puts things in order and makes things work efficiently. And maybe he can do that with Twitter. Um, I hope he can, because Musk is doing all sorts of things that appear to be useful and difficult, and it would be a catastrophe to see him derailed in his efforts. And I think he's would you like to be back on Twitter? With Twitter. Would you like to be back on Twitter? You know, I I was I was I dipped into Twitter this morning um, when I was looking at some of the research that I just shared with you, and um, it instantly struck me the same way it struck me the last time I was in Twitter. It's so it's such a den of pathology that using it, I think, is psychologically damaging. And mm. if it's possible for Musk to get the, the mm. trolls, and they're not trolls, they're psychopathic, Machiavellian, mm. sadistic narcissists under control, then it's possible that the platform might be useful. I like to share information on it. I like to follow people to see what they were up to, a lot of the people that I've met over the years. But, man, it's a snake pit. And it is. It, is I, it a isn't snake obvious pit. to me that we know what to do about it. Before I let you go, uh, Jordan, you're wearing a poppy. I'm wearing a poppy. We're about to have a debate after the break about whether people should be compelled to wear poppies. And I guess this goes what the to hell the is a poppy? thing about uh, general Having displays a symbol of, of remembrance I guess, for over 100 years. virtue in any way that you choose. Should what is poppy politics? I'm about to learn something today. Should anyone be compelled to, whatever the cause, whether it's a black square on Instagram when George Floyd died or a poppy for Armistice Day or so on? Should people ever be compelled? I think that, that compulsion, especially in matters of public policy, is a sign of bad policy. If you can't get people on board voluntarily by motivating them with the proper story, then you're a poor leader. And so I certainly, certainly would be opposed to anything approximating legal compulsion. Now, we use social compulsion frequently to to produce consensus, let's say, and to enforce it. And that's never going to go away. And there's some utility in that. But my general take on the world is that people should be allowed to go to hell in a handbasket pretty much any way they choose once they're adults. Although they might be encouraged not to do that and invited not to do that. But yeah. I'm not a fan of compulsion for any reason. I think it is a sign of bad policy. If you and I can't play together voluntarily, then we don't have a very good relationship and it's not going to be efficient and productive it's going to require take, force to continue and i will take that analysis to, to commence our debate uh, dr jordan peterson as always fascinating i don't know nothing about this poppy stuff well i mean i'll look it up later but y'all let me know what y'all think about that conversation because uh nobody sweating megan markle ain't nobody sweating that i do think that uh we got a real situation on our hands with the santas and trump for 2024 and I also think that, um, yeah, some women are crazy. 
some men are crazy. And sometimes crazy is a good thing. Sometimes it ain't. So y'all let me know what y'all think. I give a huge thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this video. See, if you're anything like me and you care about your privacy, your security, and your data, then you definitely need to be using ExpressVPN. I'm not just saying that. I care about my viewers and I care about myself, which is why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TVs. So it's really no excuse why you shouldn't be using it. On top of that, if you watch different streaming services like Netflix, then ExpressVPN will allow you to have up to 94 different IP addresses in different countries, which will give you access to shows that you don't even have available in your own country. So why not give it a try? Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash Javier, and you can get three extra months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Javier. ExpressVPN.com slash Javier to learn more. One in a million, a million, the one villain. Too hot to be in the kitchen. I'll end up melting the ceiling.